In a world where one woman locks herself inside a quiet studio and doesn't come out until the podcast is done, welcome to Spotlight Conversations with Donna Reed, a place you can get connected with Donna and her friends and listen in on some great conversation. Thankfully, unlike the intro you just heard, it's a drama-free zone. You're welcome. Now, as we listen to a bit of music from the amazing Mark Sparrow to lead us in, it's my pleasure to introduce the one, the only, Donna Reed. Thank you, Joe, and welcome to Spotlight Conversations. Glad to have you with me again this week. Taking a couple of weeks off, well, actually a couple of months off, to be honest. We're back, slowly getting into the podcast realm. My guest today is Anne Beal, founder and CEO of Beal Research. She's a PhD, an author, and a leader in the marketing research field. Her new book, Cinderella Didn't Live Happily Ever After, The Hidden Messages in Fairy Tales. Anne, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure. I love the cover of your book. Uh, It's got Cinderella on it. Tell me a little bit about what started this. Well, actually, it was a bad day. I had a bad day, and I went home and thought, I'm going to read fairy tales because, you know, in fairy tales, everybody lives happily ever after, and it's all good. So I started reading fairy tales and noticed some patterns. And as a uh, data analyst, I thought, you know, I think I should analyze these. So that's how it all started. I started collecting data on the Grimm's fairy tales. So when you were a kid reading these fairy tales... Did you question your parents, your grandparents about these stories? Were you that kid? No, I don't think so. I think I just love them just like everybody else did because I just like the cultural stories and uh-huh. accepted them. And yeah, I still love fairy tales, actually. I, I love them as a child and I love them as an adult. When you started doing the research for the book, how did you conduct research? So I actually uh, luckily own a research company, so that helps. Uh, But I started coding, it's what we call coding. Um, I started actually noting, for example, in each story, who was the powerful character? What was their gender? What type of character? And we started collecting all of this data into a massive uh, database. And I had, uh, I did it as well as um, I had other people in my firm who were interested and who also participated in this process. So that's how mm-hmm. it started. And it was many months of work. Um, your undergraduate degree is in? Psychology. Ah, and a master's in? Psychology. And a PhD in, what was your dissertation? It was actually on emotions and uh, emotions and gender, actually. And so so- it, it all ties in. Um, to someone who's not familiar with your books, how would you explain to them what the book is about and why they should get it, why they should read it? Sure. The book is really about the hidden messages in fairy tales, the patterns that we found. For example, we found that uh, women in fairy tales tend to be passive, tend to be victimized, and they need to be saved. We found that male characters tend to be Uh, characters with a lot of agency and they take initiative and they're brave and strong and smart and they tend to save poor female characters. Um, We found that male characters are very powerful and generally they tend to be good. 
-hmm. we found that when female characters were powerful, they tended to be evil. Now, these are the cultural things we are telling children when they read these fairy tales. Now, I we ended up analyzing 169 Grimm's fairy tales, so we did almost all of them. The ones that have human characters, we did all of them. Um, but in the very beloved fairy tales like Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty and Beauty and the Beast, all of those uh, beloved fairy tales are even more getting across this notion that you know women are needing to be saved and they have to be saved by a powerful man. Do you think that's changing a bit somewhat? And this would be perfect for you to write if you were going to write fiction, is just to reverse the roles, that the woman is the strong, I'm coming in to save you. I'm not going to say he's weak and unable to take care of himself, but just say he's in a predicament where he needs a strong woman to come in and save the day, my quote unquotes up here. What's your thoughts on those? Or do you think those books are coming? And are oh, they out there? Actually, I um, I do write fiction. <laughs> awesome. Well, there you yeah. go. And I do write some fairy tales that are a, a bit like that. But there are collections, actually, of strong female character fairy tale books um, that exist. They they have collected, um, uh, uh, Jane Yolen has, has collected um, fairy tales of strong female uh, uh, hero- heroines. And so they do exist. They tend to be less common, but uh, they definitely exist. And yes, I love those fairy tales where the woman saves a man. Because I, I actually don't have a problem with saving. I just would prefer it be a little bit more equal. Exactly. Because when you think about it, some of the the books that have been written, the historical, I'm just thinking of the Bronte sisters, they were very strong women. They were. They absolutely were. And Jane Austen, very strong woman, provided for her family. But she largely kind of does the Cinderella in her, you know, in her books. So your thought is fairy tales reinforce beliefs. How can parents, uh, you know, the Rapunzel, the Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty books they had as a kid, what would you say to them before they start reading any of those stories I just mentioned to their kids tonight? So first I would say, do read fairy tales and don't give up on fairy tales. So I'm, I'm not against fairy tales at all. In fact, I, I love them. I would just say that like anything, read it and talk about it and say, hey, isn't that kind of interesting that in the two or three ones we've read recently, it's been the girl who gets saved. Um, do you think this fairy tale could do the reverse? Could it be the case that a boy could be saved by a girl? And, and I think those are good conversations to have, to put these out there as ideas. And also to take a look at some of the collections of fairy tales with strong female heroines in them and to read those as well. It's interesting that you say that because children today, they see a lot of different role models um, compared to when we were growing up. So it's almost like that conversation, a little boy or a little girl could possibly say, oh, but, but she could come in on, on the white horse and save the day. They, they'd be more prone to say that given what they're seeing today. Yes, I think actually Disney's done a nice job of putting forward some, um, some strong female heroines. Frozen is a good example where, in fact, the objective is not to find a handsome prince. The objective is to save her sister and to repair that relationship within the family. And I think those are great strides. And I think 
you know, we unfortunately do see a lot of more stereotypical presentations in lots of different media, in television, in movies, uh, and in books, but doesn't mean that we can't, you know, start to see less stereotypical ones and, and be somewhat critical of, of only seeing stereotypical portrayals. I'm talking with Ann Beale, PhD, author of Cinderella Didn't Live Happily Ever After, The Hidden Messages in Fairy Tales. When you went off to college, what made you choose psychology as an undergrad? I chose psychology because I'm really interested in how culture affects people. Mm -hmm. And I'm really interested in understanding how people influence other people. And so I studied social psychology which is the study of how groups influence um, individuals. And mm-hmm. we live in, a, obviously, a large group <laughs> as a culture. Uh-huh. Um, and I just became really interested in um, exploring that. And I did a fair bit of research when I was an undergraduate on uh, how female leaders are viewed and things like that. Uh, but that's, um, that's why I studied psychology. I worked with an amazing uh, female professor. And when you're doing your research, what was the one stumbling block that you, you were just trying to wrap your head around and, and it just was, it was harder for you to understand the concepts of? I was always really interested in emotions and how men and women are perceived when they express emotions. Mm-hmm. And I um, spent a lot of time trying to unpack that actually in graduate school and uh, looking at how women are perceived when they're angry versus men. As you know, uh, anger is an emotion associated with power. Mm -hmm. And so I became really curious as to what was going on there. And it it looked as though when women express anger in all the studies that we did, that they often were perceived as being legitimate in their expression. Uh, But I think in a lot of cases, we discourage women from expressing anger. But when they finally do, if the context is correct for them, they can actually um, express it and it can be something that's understood. But anger in women is a very difficult issue. And actually, we found in our fairy tale analysis that kings are the character that express anger the most. And kings actually express it the least. Ev- always, in every incident? Uh, in uh, all of the fairy tales that we've looked at, uh, the Grimm's collection, which, as you know, is a, is an, a great collection because it actually pulls stories actually from, in many cases, a lot of the stories in Grimm's are actually stories that are also around the world. Uh, But yes, it it, it was a significant finding that what we found was that queens cry a lot. They're the character that cry the most. Wouldn't it be great if somewhere down the road, there's a queen that's like not going to cry all the time and just calls the shots? That would be nice, wouldn't it? (laughs) Uh, In your research, though, did you find something that it just took you longer to advance into the next... um, Uh, research module, if you will. I mean, there was just something that, wow, we really have to look at this more in depth. I'd say the emotions piece is something that we're still trying to understand. Mm -hmm. Um, We actually help companies understand how emotions influence consumer behavior as part of my business. And we are always trying to unpack that. But I, I think that we discourage certain emotional displays in the two genders. And I think that when those displays occur, Um, that's where I think some perceptual biases occur. And and that's what I've been trying to understand probably my whole life, actually, as a person who 
you know, when I get angry, it's somehow like, you know, that's just not appropriate, I guess. <laughs> so doing your research, did that change you too in your approach to anger or joy? No, I think I'm just who I am. And um, I think I try to, as I get older and I just am a more authentic version of who I am. And so I think that part of, you know, becoming, you know, coming to terms with who you are and who you aren't is part of the life process. The and process. as a woman, I think we get a lot of messages about who we should be. And I think we should just be who we re really are. And I'm just a passionate person and that's not going to change. That's good. Um, when you're doing your research, what what moment do you remember was 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 an aha moment or you were this is the field for me? We actually did research as a, when I was an undergraduate, I worked for an amazing uh, woman by the name of uh, Florence Geis. And she had identified that when female leaders speak, they are often discounted. When male leaders and female leaders did the exact same behaviors, they would be viewed differently. And what she found was that when female leaders speak, there tend to be a lot of nonverbal indicators of, you know, mm -hmm. dis dislike or disinterest or contempt. And in mm -hmm. fact, what happens is that when female leaders have those kinds of nonverbal responses around them, it actually undermines them and their message. And it, it in fact, um, leads to discounting them. And what we found is when we took male leaders and put those same nonverbal cues into their presentations, they were viewed this exactly the same as women. So it's all that nonverbal reaction, mm -hmm. stuff that you don't even really control that can really undermine a female leader. And, and that was a big aha, and one that basically made me realize we can really unpack why it is that women are not in powerful positions because there are things that, that work against them. The goal of the of Beal Research actually is to, um, we do uh, research for large companies and we help them uh, you know, make better products for consumers or understand what their messaging is that works or we help them identify segments in the market. We are a market research company, so our focus is to help businesses do better by their customers. That's what our goal is, but we do bring a lot of my psychological training to bear. So for example, as I mentioned, we analyze emotions that consumers have because we know they're very influential in uh, yes. you know, purchasing. You have done so well with this book. I'm sure there's another one that you're working on. What, what is the title for that one first? Working title. So that one is called Only Prince Charming Gets to Break the Rules. I'm oh. sure you can imagine what the thesis is there. I in do. <laughs> in that case, what we did was we analyzed 200 folk tales and fairy tales around the world, not just in the European tradition, but Africa, Asia, North America, South America, Europe, and we analyzed who breaks the rules and who gets punished and who gets rewarded. And I'm just going to give you a little spoiler alert. Boy characters, male characters break the rules more than females, but female characters, when they break the rules, are generally severely punished. And I think that we see, and I pull in actually evidence from, you know, contemporary life that that seems to happen in general. What we found is that when physicians, male physicians and female physicians have a patient die, female physician referral rates go down precipitously, male physicians do not. 
We found that in the financial services realm, when there's unethical behavior, the same exact unethical behavior by a man and a woman, which by the way, is, it should not occur for either gender, but when it does occur for both of them, females are much more severely punished than males. Same thing in uh, the legal field. When there's unethical behavior by lawyers, female lawyers for the exact same behaviors are punished much more severely than males. What does it take to change that philosophy? First of all, we know that people expect women to be more ethical than men. That is an expectation that we have. And frankly, we need to stop expecting differential behaviors from men and women. And we need to be assiduous in terms of really looking at what punishments we give to people who do the exact same things. And because, you know, if Jane did this, then if Jim did the same thing, we need to have the exact same response. Where can we find uh, how to get your book, your website? Where are you on social media? So you can find my website is actually annbeal.com. So that's A-N-N-E-B-E-A-L-L.com. There's lots of information about me there. All my books are on Amazon, and I have quite a few books there that range uh, everything from meditation to market research to fairy tales. Um, and you can find me on social media as well. I have Twitter, that's BLRT, B-E-A-L-L-R-T, and then social media is uh, my name on Facebook. And thank you for coming in today. I've learned a lot about writing. Don't stop writing. Because I, I feel you're, you're going to find something that's going to make us all reassess. Oh, Anne was right. She's, she's, she's <laughs> on to something. Thank you so much for your encouragement. It was such a pleasure. You've been listening to Spotlight Conversations with Donna Reed. Subscribe on Apple and Spotify podcasts or your favorite platform. Thanks for tuning in.